somehow, white women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. I think a serious policy question is not a game, and I don't think it's Trump's game, but Kate Benningfield, we always appreciate you coming on the show and answering the questions or deftly sidestepping them. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. I'm not going to play his game. It ain't got nothing to do with deserve. Where's my ain't got nothing to do with deserve cut? Why didn't I have that ready, Tom? Come on. Uh, maybe I didn't have ain't got nothing to do with deserve. You remember, I had some. Two more hogs got the fever. Jake Tapper is back, by the way. You know, I used to talk about how Jake Tapper used to be good. There's a chance, in anticipation of the possibility of a new president, that that Tapier and my friend John Carl, the whole group of them, have decided to get back into journalism, and we'll see if that happens. We got, we'll get to all that stuff. They are taking umbrage, taking umbrage to Joe Biden's resistance to, or I guess, refusal to answer questions about packing the court. And this is a boneheaded. It's it's interesting. The more Team Trump does exactly, and really, when, when I say Team Trump at this point, it's candidate Trump himself does exactly the wrong thing at every given opportunity when he's got a a chance to insert himself in a positive sense into the news cycle or at least back off for a moment to let Biden take a face plant team Biden just constructs some moronic campaign based on um based on trying to balance the young turks in the party with the moderates who have had enough of Trump and but but don't want to throw Molotov cocktails and just want some sanity, and he's, he's just stepping on it every time he tries to do this. Team Biden, his team, his campaign. I know that I'm I'm told that he how brilliant it is for them to hide there and hide there and hide underground. I say bullocks is what I say to that. I think that's bold. I think they're hiding there, and Trump is continuing to make this about him. So in a sense, the fact that they're underground, I don't think that's brilliant. I think that's only just them having a modicum of common sense. But let's get to the best stuff of this weekend here. Bill Burr was on Saturday Night Live, and if you don't know Bill Burr, you should. He's a comedian from Boston, Massachusetts, and he hosted SNL for the first time last night. And it is funny. I think... In my mind, I mean, you've got—I um, can't remember who's that. Oh, and by the way, I'm on with Jerry Callahan tomorrow uh, morning. But who is that? Um, who's Nick DiPaolo? Okay, so Nick DiPaolo is probably probably the most offensive comedian out there in the sense of anti PC stuff. He says stuff that I can't even—I I like look around if I have his podcast on just to make sure there's nobody sensing that I'm listening to him. He is so un PC; it's incredible. Um, but. But Bill Burr is probably the most offensive and un-PC and slash hilarious comedian out there right now who's still acceptable to the public, even though he skates close to the edge. I mean, he's he's brilliant. He's brilliant. And on SNL last night, there comes Bill Burr. I don't think a lot of the audience knew who he was or knew how to react to what they were hearing because the stuff he was saying you're not supposed to be saying. He, you know, he gave a little bit to everybody, but oh man, oh I, nobody, especially in New York, in New York City, where you've been conditioned now 
for years, of course, through just being a progressive, uh, uh, progressive, what's that called? Metropolis. Um, for years and, and decades. And now, in the time of COVID and the woke revolution and the idiocy that we've got going on, they just don't hear people speak like this a lot, which is too bad and, and odd because, of course, New York still has some of the best comedy clubs in the world, I think. I've never been to one. But um, it's also a shame that, in that sense that uh, that Louis C.K. is sidelined. But he has to be for reasons, and that is because of culture. The, the, the rules of the culture have decided that he needs to be incarcerated in the Tower of London uh, for a given amount of time. And uh, do you think Louis C.K. should be allowed back into acceptable society, Alice? I mean... You're a woman, so you know what he did, right? Yeah. Um, I think what he did was gross and creepy. I mean, I don't... Yes. I don't need him to be banned from life like i don't think he's dangerous per se well he's, do you think do you think that those is that is that being victimized if you're one of those women and you walk in and he's doing that if you go into a room and he's um, yes doing that under the desk well i don't know whatever, if he was under the desk i don't whatever, think he was that he, subtle i think he was it was out, i think his thing was out there and he was on the phone with somebody too while he was doing that too right is that not good phone etiquette i'm not sure <laughs> Is that the point? I was mean, he on the phone with somebody I don't think doing he, it over the phone? Or but was he, I think was, I don't think he like did anything to make the person stay in the room. Like I think she could have just turned around and walked right out, which is what most people would do. And I certainly would tell people right away because that's disgusting. Um, yeah, and I do think he had a reputation. So that was his thing for being a creeper. I don't I mean, right. Which <laughs> he's just gross. I mean, yeah. a lot of. A lot of men are disgusting, but I don't think that what he did was particularly coercive or anything. I don't know. Men and he are, didn't have yeah. any like hold over these people. He wasn't their boss or something, right? Uh, no, but I think that he, in the realm of comedy, because, probably had... Because he was big in comedy was, and they want, I guess he was wanted powerful. to be cool comedians or something. Right, but that... that but is these just... were adult women, right? Yes. So, like... I don't know. Here's a tip to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever are meeting up with a work colleague in their hotel room, or where, was he in a hotel room? No, I think it was, was backstage in a green room. Okay. Sometimes. If you ever go into any room to meet up with a work colleague and they are um, practicing self-abuse, I, I guess would mm-hmm. be the Christian way to say it, uh, walk away. Go away and tell whoever you want. I mean, frankly, like right. if they're going to do that, out them as that. But and that's gross. But I don't need them to be banished from polite society altogether. I mean, I think frankly, the stories are more embarrassing and disgusting for him than for mm-hmm. any women. Like I don't think they did anything, and I think that like it just the stories reflect badly on him. But I, I mean, his comedy was already kind of gross anyway. Uh, yeah, I guess it I mean, was gross, but it was I brilliant. Mean, gro- yeah, he was funny, but he definitely, like, talked about, you know, human he, sexuality and... Right, he kind of let this cat out of the bag as well, as, um, in, in comedy as well. And to, to, but anyway, I, 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 I just wanted to get your, your... Anyway, I think he's been humiliated enough, I guess, is my point. <laughs> like, I think he's into just, humiliation, unfortunately. The whole so, thing is that he just... So let's get back to Bill Burr. Bill Burr is on Saturday. Thank you very much. I just needed you are a woman, human being, <laughs> so I wanted to because I dare not speak, and I uh, I dare I take my place and I listen to you. 
take the temperature of uh, feminism and uh, where uh, sensibilities of women are. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bill Burr is on SNL over the weekend. Like I'm saying, like I said, he's got uh, this audience is not ready for Bill. They're ready for Colin Yost and the other guy to call Trump stupid, I think, in new ways and talk about how dumb in WT Trump fans are. The usual SNL stuff. And then maybe call Trump Trump stupid during a sketch. And the woman who cried in the white suit four years ago and sang the Leonard Cohen song and then it was RGB, she'll do her performative, very solemn, not non-comedy, whatever. That's a normal SNL stuff. But Bill Burr gets up there and he goes to uh, to political and cultural territory that these folks are not used to hearing people go to. During these difficult times, you guys all look like surgeons with your masks on. <laughs> Makes me feel comfortable that you're wearing masks. I like people who wear masks. That's good. You're listening to the eggheads, the people we all cheated off of in high school, right? <laughs> Keep listening to them. And then if you don't wear a mask, that doesn't bug me either, right? Take out your grandparents, you know? Take out your weak cousin with the asthma. I don't care. It's your decision. There's too many people. It's a dream come true. If you're that dumb and you want to kill your own family members, by all means, do it. Stops you from reproducing. Alex is laughing, by the way, trying it's to avoid the mic. It's literally a dream come true. <laughs> incredibly insensitive and irresponsible by Bill Burr to say that. He also noticed there's been a change in New York. And speaking of dreams come true, did you see Rick Moranis got sucker punched on the Upper West Side? (laughs) (laughs) New York is back, baby! (laughs) New York is back! Yes! We lost our edge there for a minute. City started looking like a giant bed, bath, and beyond, and then bam! Oh, Ricky took one in the chops. <laughs> it had to happen. It had to. That's what happens when you stick an M&M store in Times Square. All right? The universe has to balance itself. Get the peep shows back in Times Square. Old people can walk safely 40 blocks away. <laughs> I love him. You're not supposed to talk about Rick Moranis like that, but he was just having fun. Then he went into territory, and this is why... Bill Burr is a cultural icon now, whether he wants to be or not. And in the same way, I guess Chappelle hit the same note. But, um, but, and this is, it's funny. This is what he goes to, he's cancel, cancel culture here. And this is one of those issues that I think is a silent issue that nobody ever gets polled on, that Trump is on the right side of, and I think is going to yield results for him in this election. How stupid is that cancel thing? They're literally running out of people to cancel. They're going after dead people now. They're trying to cancel John Wayne. It's like, yeah, dude, God did that 40 years ago. They're all up in arms. They're like, did you hear what he said in that interview in Playboy in 1970? Can you believe that? It's like, yeah. He was born in 1907. That's what these people sounded like. You never talked to your grandparents and brought up the wrong subject, and all of a sudden it went off the rails. Keep making the cookies. You don't bring up race or religion with your grandparents. You keep it simple. (laughs) 
you hear at the end, there was kind of, the audience doesn't know what to do. All right. This next cut from Bill Burr should be the official comedy bit of 2020. It should also be the official comedy bit of uh, the Burn Barrel podcast because it's exactly on. It's exactly what we talk about. He is so right. He is so right. It is so good to hear somebody say this. And the people he's talking about, I assume, will be very upset by this. God, I hope people pay his, uh, post this all over Facebook, all over Instagram, all over Twitter, all over wherever you need to. This is a masterpiece. Uh, let's talk white women here, shall we? <laughs> Let's talk white women. White women, you're amazing. Amazing your accomplishments over the last few years. I got to tell you, the way white women somehow hijack the woke movement, generals around the world should be analyzing this. <laughs> Just to refresh your memory, the woke movement was supposed to be about people of color, not getting opportunities, the at-bats that they deserved, finally making that happen. And it was about that for about eight seconds. And then somehow... White women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. I don't know how they did it. I've never heard so much complaining in my life from white women. My life is so hard with my SUV and my heated seats. You have no idea what it's like to be me. Trashing white guys, the nerve. Where's the camera? The nerve of you white women. Let me, I, listen, I don't want to speak ill on my b here, okay? B word, you get it. I don't, but let's, let's go back in history here, okay? <laughs> you guys stood by us toxic white males through centuries of our crimes against humanity. You rolled around in the blood muddy, and occasionally when you wanted to sneak off and hook up with a black dude, if you got caught, you said it wasn't consensual. <laughs> yeah, that's what you did. That's what you did. So why don't you shut up, sit down next to me, and take your talking to. <laughs> oh, so you not, do you not like that piece? I think that's a masterpiece. I'm not suggesting I endorse any part of it. You're, you're... I mean, no, I'm laughing. <laughs> How true is that? We talk about middle-class people of Wellesley and Winchester and all those people jumping right in, right into the yeah, social more justice. more than middle-class in a lot of oh, cases. Oh, yes, the, 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 yes, the Range Rover people, the social justice movement. No, no, we are part of this too. Oh, it's so perfect. Oh, my God, it's so perfect. And I distanced myself from the content of that bit, obviously. <laughs> um. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. And here's his, uh, that was a crescendo. I would say this is how he ends it here. And this also is is that who is this? We have something opening the door, and it's a child. He seems to be smiling, so that's good. He's not hurt. At least he's in the building. Here we go. Here's his last bit before he goes, and uh, also I think perfectly hits the cultural touchstone. The month of June is Gay Pride Month. That's a little long, don't you think? <laughs> For a group of people that were never enslaved. <laughs> How's the crowd feel about this right now? You hear that? Mm. Um, should we? I don't know. What is this? It's funny. The same suburban white women are looking around saying, what's the right way to do this right? Because Instagram will be talking about this soon. So, And I'm on camera, so I'd like to make sure I do this right. How did, how did they get all of June? 
<laughs> Dude, black people were actually enslaved. They get February. They get 28 days of overcast weather. Sun goes down at four in the afternoon. Everybody's shivering. Nobody wants to go on the parade. Look, yeah. How about you hook them up? with July. These are equator people. Give them the sun for 31 days. This gay black people, they could celebrate from June 1st, June 31st, 30, 61 days of celebrating. All right, that's all my time. We got a great show for you guys. Everybody. That is a killer bit, by the way, and the crowd was just a little timid to go at it. So I love that Bill Burr went all over the place. His stuff is appropriately offensive. He's a comedian. He's supposed to be offended. He offends all people on every side. He never talks about it, but he's actually married to a black woman. Um, but a, a lot of his, and I think, I think, from what I've seen anyway from from Twitter, black audiences love him. He's not condescending. The guy is he is completely honest, completely honest. And that, I, I love his comedy. I think he does a great job. <laughs> great job. There is, if you don't, if you ever watch it, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it here. I'm in enough trouble. All right. He did actually. Here's a. It goes, and he's an equal opportunity offender. Here's part of his comedy bit last year. I forgot what his thing's called. Just Google his Netflix special from last year, um, or a couple years ago. Here, when he talks about uh, Kaepernick. No, everything has just become f-ing absolutes in in, in 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 the states. It's f-ing nuts. Like that Colin Kaepernick guy, right? You knew when he was like protesting during the national anthem, no one was going to listen to what the. F- he had to say no matter how much he explained it he goes i'm taking a knee during the national anthem this is a protest about police brutality the way people of color are treated we'd like to open a dialogue he got about halfway through that people are like my brother's fighting in iraq you crazy <laughs> it's just like buddy buddy nobody is saying your brother isn't in iraq fighting you're not listening this is about police brutality my brother's a firefighter he watched 9-11 on television no 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 buddy nobody's saying that your brother's not a firefighter. I got a bone spur in my heel. I can still stand up during the song. Buddy, nobody is saying you can't see a podiatrist. All right? You're not listening. So, there we go. That was SNL. I thought that was uh, great. I, don't, I haven't seen anything else uh, come down the, the uh, line from, um, from, uh, from any of the bits or anything like that. But the rest of our show will be... Uh, pretty much dedicated to court packing. Court packing, and one other thing, before we go to court packing, we have to understand uh, how we got here and how this animus is is happening. Now, the court packing stuff from the 30s with FDR, et cetera, was pretty, it was, was pretty blatant. He, he told the American people that the justices were getting too old and he had to make sure they had continuity, so he decided he wanted to pack the courts. It was a cute way, of course, of just... You know, turning the judiciary towards him. and Yeah, because he wanted to do a bunch of things that weren't of constitutional. Of course. Now, what we've seen, and this is important because too many people don't understand, take these snapshots from social media and don't understand how we got here as far as the Senate goes. So the left hates Mitch McConnell. The right pretty much loves Mitch McConnell. Pretty much, sometimes not. But um, and one of the reasons the left hates Mitch McConnell is because Mitch McConnell in 2010, I think, said our after the Democrat after the Republicans won the Senate after um, after Obama passed Obamacare. Is that when the Dem- Republicans won the Senate 2010? Yes, it was. That's when he became majority leader, right? Anyway, if it wasn't, it was 2012. Just it doesn't matter. 
So after the the Democrats rammed through Obamacare, remember we we voted in Scott Brown, but they decided not to have another vote. They would just deem and pass, which we were told is totally normal back then. Yeah, we're just deem and passing a fifth of the American economy and your own health choices. Totally normal. We're celebrating it right now. The American media told us as they had a photo op with uh, John Lewis and um, and um, Nancy Pelosi, you know, walking with a Bible across the Capitol. Was uh, that the giant gavel too? Right, across the Capitol quad, where one of the somebody said they got spit on and Breitbart offered a million dollars when anybody could prove it, nobody could. And that was a photo op. And then, as the American people felt betrayed and hurt, like I did, because it wasn't done by vote, um, Barack Obama said. We're not going to relitigate this. We're on to the economy. Deal with it. In other words, put some ice on that is what Barack Obama was saying. And it was offensive that he said it. And it was divisive that he said it. Now, if you're a Democrat, you don't remember any of this because nobody in CNN said it. And your guy got his way. So that's all that mattered. So then, um, you know, Harry Reid was the Senate Majority Leader, was angry that Republicans, because they had to filibuster, were able to block so many of Obama's uh, court choices, his circuit court choices, etc. So even though Obama eventually, you know, did have three hundred forty whatever judicial nominees that did get, um, did get, um, what do they get confirmed? Confirmed. Um, the Republicans managed to because we had the filibuster, they had the filibuster block a whole bunch of those um, nominees, which is politicking. Just how it is, you know. There is people talk about a uh, what was it, the Thurmond uh, Thurmond Leahy rule, whatever, where you you don't block something in this amount of time, or you do whatever, whatever, whatever. But the the, the the Constitution allows you to block people, so so they were blocking nominees whenever they could. They they were the minority, and this is hor- this is politics, you know. If you want them unblocked, then you you can talk and you can wheel and deal and do Washington DC politics. Harry Reid was sick of that and said, you know what, screw it then. If you're going to block our people, then we're going to get rid of the filibuster. Or Sorry, we're going to go to um, get rid of the filibuster for judicial nominations. Is that mm-hmm. correct? And so he, to, except for the Supreme Court. Which, right. So they, he said, okay, so now it's just a simple majority, so we'll just ram our guys through. Screw you, uh, Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. And McConnell said, well, you'll, you're will you going to regret it at some point that you did this mm-hmm. because you're changing the rules now because, because you can't use persuasion or politics to to win the day. So then the Demo- the Republicans win the Senate, and McConnell says, well, look what I have here, this shiny new precedent by Harry Reid t- t- tossing away the uh, filibuster. So there we go. So McConnell then becomes a judicial confirmation factory. Well, he, um, he didn't become a factory until after Obama. He became okay. a he right. didn't he then refused to confirm anybody for, for the o- remainder of Obama's term essentially. Oh right, okay. But once Trump got in there, of but course, then once Trump got in there, just hundreds of conversations that had been open through the Obama last couple right. of years of Obama's term. Exactly, and some of them had been open because McConnell just wouldn't, blocked them. Yeah, wouldn't exactly. Confirm Obama's and it's choices. it's dirty politics, and it's the exact same kind of dirty politics Harry Reid played. Of course, McConnell is thrilled to talk about it at any time, and he loves it. I was, I was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll Senator, tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the uh, of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give, I, and I will give you full credit for that. And really take a bow. All right, that was a good line. Uh, 
I realize that uh, any uh, of you uh, on uh. the left right now are cringing into uh, in saying that SOB, whatever. And I understand. No, they're saying he admitted that he packed the courts. Right. That's well, what they're well, saying that's, on That gets Twitter. us to where we are now, of course. <laughs> so this is all key, right. And so that that brings us to where we are today. And and this is and it's a shame too that people and friends have fights over dirty politics that happen on each side of the aisle. What a shame. I mean, if, if, if you're affected that much by politics in Washington, D.C., then demand better, hold your people to task, or uh, stop looking at politics. Because this is you're endorsing this. Every time you vote for somebody to go and act as a D.C. politician, well, then you're getting a D.C. politician. So uh, that brings us to the court packing. Now, we heard Joe Biden uh, yesterday make it very clear, or, well, somewhat clear that that – it wasn't that he was going to pack the court. It was that the court's already being packed. Look, the only court packing going on right now is going on with the Republicans packing the court now. It's not constitutional what they're doing. We should be focused on what's happening. Not constitutional what they're doing. It is, ah. though. Right now. <laughs> and the fact is that the only packing going on is this court is being packed now by the Republicans after the vote has already begun. I'm going to stay focused on it so we don't take the eyes off the ball here. Not constitutional. The only court packing is Republicans. So today, Jake Tapper, and I don't know what his show, what is his show? I don't even know what his show is, but Jake Tapper has a Sunday show, and he has um, Kate Bedingfield on, who I, and I have, I've told my wife this before, who I have a crush on. And I I find her very pretty, and the fact that she lies to me reminds me <laughs> of the old the old toxic relationships I used to have, and <laughs> and you know just squander. We're saving that... a lot of money on therapy for Tom. Exactly, but I love Kate Bedingfield. So here she goes, and Tapper wants to know. Wait, Biden just said over there that the, the, what Trump's doing is unconstitutional. Explain it. It's not constitutional what they're doing. We should be focused on what's happening right now. This court is being packed now by the Republicans after the vote has already begun. And Biden uh, and Tapper says, hey, Kate, uh, Biden says it's not constitutional. Explain it. I'm going to stay focused on it so we don't take the eyes off the ball here. I want to get to the idea of adding justices to the court in a second. But he said it's not constitutional what they're doing, how is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see- The question is, how is it not constitutional? His point is that there are, there you, I don't even know. This is advanced naked octopus octopus twister gaslighting that's happening <laughs> by her with tentacles coming up behind you unforeseen. See that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's seat. not the Constitution. So by, by trying to 
by trying to that's that is their con there, there's the constitutional process of advising consent the american people get to have their say by voting for president by voting for senators we are now 23 days from the election right, but it's not Again, unconstitutional millions of mil well also the american people voted for the president and the senators and they're right. all sitting in washington exactly during their terms during which they continue to exercise their constitutional authority. Millions of votes, millions of votes. They're being, voters are being denied their constitutional right to have a say in this process. <laughs> they elected the, the Senate. are trying to ram through, Hi, are trying to ram through a, a nominee who, by the way, is going to change the makeup of the court. And we see... Can you imagine a nominee changing the makeup of the court? They're not mm -hmm. going to leave RGB's remains on that seat, you mean? Can you imagine that? Changing the makeup of the court. She comes with her own set of values, with her own, um, with her her own definition of of, mm -hmm. of what the Constitution means, with her own principles. Can you imagine that she's going to change the makeup of the court? You can't have them change the makeup of the court. No, it's in the Constitution that you have to nominate somebody with the same exact uh, legal philosophy as the person who has uh, left the seat. Right, and that's that's what she's. In a third-rate flimflamery here, and gaslighting, trying to suggest. Now, I understand. I believe me. I, I defend flax all the time for being flax. They're not really humans, and I understand <laughs> that. And all of you people who are mad at Kaylee McEnany, well, this person you're hearing could well be your Kaylee McEnany. Use the same truth monitor you use on Kaylee McEnany and and uh, Sean Spicer and whoever. And uh, Huckabee, use it on what you're hearing right here. Time and time again, poll after poll shows that most Americans vehemently disagree with this. They again, believe again, Kate, that's that a the poll. vote should happen on November 3rd. That's not what the word constitutional that means. Cons that constitutional the, doesn't mean I like it, it or I don't like it. It means it's according to the U.S. Constitution. There's nothing unconstitutional about what the U.S. Senate is doing. They are being denied. The American people are being denied their opportunity to have a say in who gets this lifetime appointment to the court. The, the intention of the... Ooh, it is a half-bleep argument they're going for. It's a it tough is... day to be a Biden flack, in all fairness. It's it's not a defensible position that the Democrats are in right now. So their spokespeople are in a tough spot. Right. It's also, it's just really weak, which is why you're going to hear that we've got very liberal journalists saying, guys, we're pulling for you. <laughs> Just please come up with something better. This is not good enough. Process here is for the American people to have a say in 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 who uh, gets in in who makes the nomination, and okay. then who ultimately consents to the nomination. So, so, and what the Republicans are trying to do is ram this through because they don't believe they have the electoral support. That's that is a problem, and that they are going to try to change the makeup of the court in an effort to do that again. I, I, it's not unconstitutional. I get you don't like it, but it's not unconstitutional. But but let me talk about the idea of adding justices to the court, which which uh, Vice President Biden refuses to, to give his answer on. What's bizarre about it to me is that Biden has already answered this question on whether he supports expanding the court. Take a listen to him in 1983. And Before we go to listen to Biden when he was against court packing, shouldn't the American people be able to make their constitutional choice based on knowing Biden's position on packing the court? Well, right. And by the way, only like 30 something percent of Americans support court packing and they're like all Democrats. Right. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, if it's if the American people deserve a choice, well, then Biden should give them a choice. What right. is what is he pro or con court packing? And then again, just a year ago. 
President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. I would not get into court packing. We, we had three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They had three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. Right. Biden opposes adding justices to the court. He has for decades. So why is he refusing to weigh in on it now? Because Donald Trump and the Republicans don't get to set the terms of this debate. I mean, this is a distraction that they want to throw out. This is a hypothetical that they want to throw out right now to distract from the fact that they are trying to ram through a nominee who, as I said, is going to change the makeup of the court against the will of the American people. They don't want to talk about that. So they are trying to create. a. No, it's exactly for the will of the American people who voted all these guys in and voted Trump in in 2016. It is well, it's interesting to see uh, so many reputable, including columnists on the left, stand by this. It's ugly to watch. It's uncomfortable. And the thing is here is that, you know, why not just let Republicans rise and fall on how popular confirming Amy Coney Barrett is? Because I think it's a people see the hypocrisy of what Republicans did with Merrick Garland. They should have had a hearing with him and they Mm -hmm. didn't. Um, And, and people don't really like that they're doing this with Amy Coney Barrett. It is unpopular. You know, they're right about that, but why not let Republicans, the thing is the, the Democrats have zero actual tools to stop this short of like really unprecedented um, actions. And they, they don't have anything to stop the Republicans from confirming her. They And they know it. And so that's why they're trying to, like, make this into something that it's not. And, you know, if it's unpopular, which it probably is, then they should let the Republicans confirm her and take the electoral hit, which some of them might take. Right. And and that's that's fine. That's how the game works. And, you know, let the Republicans do the thing that's so unpopular. That's what Obama did with Obamacare. He said, this is really important. We're going to get this thing passed. And he got over a thousand legislative Republicans elected for the remainder of his term in office because he decided Obamacare was that important. And he took the hit for it. And that's fine. And I mean, I think a lot of Republicans feel that I'm probably in this camp. I care more about getting Amy Coney Barrett on the court than I care about Trump getting reelected. You know, I'm okay with it if the Republicans get her confirmed and Trump loses. Like I can, I can take that deal. I would really like them to get her on the court. Um, because I think that the way Democrats have been using the court legislatively is really dangerous for America. And, and she is a force against that. So, you know, that's... I think there's a lot of people who feel the same as you. That's, yeah. So let them confirm her. And, you know, if they lose their power for a while, then fine. But, like, the court packing thing is also really unpopular. And right. But I do think that the Biden feels, that the campaign feels, along with the Democrats, that they've got some capital to burn. They're polling really well. You make the hearings. Every single Democrat in the hearings... We'll mention court packing. They'll put questions about court packing to Coney Barrett. They'll burn out the clock. They'll ask everything will be positioned around court packing, around this and that. The, you know, non-secular questions, irrelevant questions to burn the time up to keep mm-hmm. court packing in the uh, in the uh, news cycle. And it, uh, already Democrat scribes for the New York Times that are already jumping behind it. And that'll be the huge distraction that, you know, is it three, is it? five yards in a cloud of dust that gets them to like October 28th. 
Right. And then you've burned up enough of the news cycle that, according to them, hopefully for them is what they're thinking, is that then Biden can land the plane and win in a big election. Right. And I mean, fine. You know, like you guys don't want to answer this question and you guys just win and hooray, good for you. The thing is, is that what the Republicans have done over the last few years is not court packing. It's filling empty seats on courts. That's not court packing by anyone's definition of court packing. And if people didn't like the people that they were filling seats with, they've had every opportunity to vote these Republicans out. Mitch McConnell has been the majority leader since 2014. So if you Mm -hmm. don't like that and how he's handling it, there's been plenty of time to vote him out. So. Not only that, Alice, but also remember, remember, they chose the immediate satisfaction and the immediate gains since 2016, since the fall of 2016 through 2017, 2018. They chose the immediate gains that they would get from propagating this Russia stuff BS when they knew there was nothing there. They knew they could they could win some seats. They knew they could fill up the news cycle and the New York Times and all these people. With this Russia stuff, they knew they could build a myth that people then smelted into reality. They knew they could do it. And so they did it. And they filled up every minute, every hour, every day with Russia, 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 fake. And then Trump's response to it. And as Trump you know, throws a furniture around the room, his response to it, the leaks in the White House and this and that. And they enjoyed the chaos. They enjoyed the chaos. And they thrived off the chaos. Meanwhile, old turtle face said, look at all this chaos. <laughs> Guys, open them up. Ram them through. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one. So there was no time. There was no oxygen left to scrutinize any court appointments, to any mm-hmm. uh, any uh, court hearings, court nominations. It was a perfect situation for McConnell. The factory was open. There were, the brawling was happening elsewhere. It was a perfect situation. The Democrats, you chose. You wanted to do the Russia thing. You wanted to have the Mueller report. Whatever that is, is that's not something that should be taken off the bookshelves now. All you dummies who took pictures of yourselves drinking Cabernet at a bistro reading the Mueller report closely. All that's crap now. All that fiction propagated out of sure, pure vapor now. You, You enjoyed it. You got to have fun. You got to go on Facebook and say, hey, country over party. And yell at your friends and relatives, uh, you know, because the president was in Putin's puppet or Stephen Colbert had other words for it. So there you go. That's what you did. You never bothered to look into it. And this is what happens under it. So I'm not I don't feel too bad. Distraction and, uh, you know, send folks down a rabbit hole talking about this when, uh, you know, what we should be focused on and what Joe Biden is focused on uh, is the vote on November 3rd and making sure that they don't have the opportunity to ram through. Let me tell you something. Jay Tapper, one of the reasons that I've gotten mad at him over the last few years, and I used to love, like him during Obama because he was part of the White House press press corps, and he'd push back when they were giving the snow job over health care or the health care website or Benghazi. Tapper was one of the few guys who would he – was, he was a bulldog in there. He, I heard him on Jonah Goldberg on a podcast about a year and a half ago, and he said he doesn't have too many Trump administration people on or Trump flax on or Trump supporters on, because he's not going to have somebody on who just lies to him, who completely lies to him. And I thought, that is weak. That is weak. Because obviously any Democrat he has on is just going to lie to him as well. But watching this interview, there's a certain kind of lying that Tapper won't take. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of lying, when this at this point he knows is making him look bad. 
And I'm sure he's got people in his ear saying, Jake, you can say this, 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 this. And he knows that this person, because her spin is so weak that it simply makes him look bad. She's mm-hmm. not giving him any other recourse. Right. So I think that he feels insulted. So he's saying, oh, yeah, well, all right, well, screw you. Bring your A game to my show because ratings matter for me. And, you know, maybe his reputation matters to him. And I, that's why I don't think that he he suffers her very, you know, softly. A nominee uh, it's not, who it's is not, going it's to not the know, Biden, be the deciding vote. It's not the Trump people who but invented look, this one, question, it, right? The idea of adding justices to the Supreme Court came from the progressive side of the Democratic Party. It's just a simple question. He has long been against adding justices to the court. Has he changed his mind or does he have the same position he's had since at least 1983? It's just a simple question from an interviewer. Is it is a subtle way of placing them on a stage with a f- the fiery letters saying bleep you behind them. Mm-hmm. That is a positioning of, I'm going to let you say this one more time to my face just like this. <laughs> and my what I'm delivering by my look to you is, uh, <laughs> is spelling out what I'm feeling about you right now, Kate. But look, see, I think you only have to look at how hard, for example, Vice President Pence wanted to go at this in the debate last week, rather than answer a question about what his administration would do to protect pre-existing conditions. Uh, that, Uh-oh. to me, that tells you everything you need to know about what the Republicans are trying to do here. They would rather have this conversation than talk about the fact that they are pushing through a justice who is going to um, uh, uh, be part of a court that could potentially overturn the Affordable Care Act, that could strip away Here protections for pre-existing conditions, yeah. that could rule on a woman's right well, to choose, we, we that could the, rule on well, equal pay issues. We, yeah, we they, don't wanna, they don't want to defend that. I get it, and we ask Republicans those questions, but but we get to ask Democrats questions too, and this is a simple, <laughs> it's a simple question, uh, and it's one, frankly, that Trump did not invent. It came from the progressives in the Democratic Party, and I, I thought it was odd when Vice President Biden said the other day, uh, in response to a reporter's question that voters do not deserve an answer on this. Of course, voters deserve an answer on his position on every issue. But we're not going to play their game. Well, he's given an answer. He's answered <laughs> yeah. the question. I mean, he has probably answered this question 15 times over yes. the course of the last week. The answer is, I am not going to play Donald Trump's game. I am not going to allow right. the terms of this debate to shift to a hypothetical that assumes, by the way, that we, the Democrats, are going to lose here. I mean, that's that's really, that's what's at, at the core of this argument there, maybe. Uh, it so. assumes that we're going to lose. Vice President Biden doesn't accept that. He does not accept that. He's focused on... Uh, turning people out to vote, making sure their voice is heard, and making sure that they have a say in who the next Supreme Court justice is. All right. Well, I think a serious policy question is not a game, and I don't think it's Trump's game. But, Kate Benningfield, we always appreciate you coming on the show and answering the questions or deftly sidestepping them. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, dagger. <laughs> you know what, Tom? What? Um, I'm going to start doing this from now on, too. Um, and, you know, like, when you ask me what we're having for dinner, I'm mm-hmm. going to say I have already answered uh, you about what we're having for dinner. And my answer was that I'm not going to play this game with you. <laughs> and, um, you know, let's instead talk about whose turn it is to take out the trash. That's my answer to what we're having for dinner. And I've already answered that. I've answered it many times. My answer is who is taking out the trash tonight? That's my answer to what we're having for dinner. And That's right. And yes, exactly. And I'm not going to play this game, Tom, where you uh, suggest somehow 
that you're the superior member of the household and then get drunk and then, uh, you know, shopless from the grocery store again. Here's the original Biden cut. Um, not the original. Here's the one where he says you don't get d- deserve to um, get the answer. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the courts. And I know that sure. you said yesterday you aren't going to answer the question until after the election. Huh. But this is the number one thing that I've been asked about from viewers uh, in the past couple of days. Well, you've been asked by the viewers who are probably Republicans who don't want me continuing to talk about what they're doing to the court right now. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, where they don't. Saying? I'm not going to play his game. <laughs> no, I don't. Screw him. <laughs> so, John Hickenlooper, um, who's the governor of, where is he the governor of, do we know? Colorado. Colorado. And Cory Gardner, they're running for Senate, I assume? Yeah, so Cory Gardner's running for re-election, and Hickenlooper dropped out of the uh, presidential, presidential race, race to mm-hmm. run for Senate here against him. And he, there they have a debate, and the question is put to Hickenlooper. Mr. Gardner, Mr. Gardner 30 seconds. The question is put to Mr. Gardner. It was just put to Hickenlooper, and he didn't answer. Now yep. it's being put to Gardner. Mr. Gardner, th- Mr. Gardner, 30 seconds for you as well. Are there any circumstances under which you would support adding a 10th or 11th justice to the Supreme Court? No, and I'd yield the rest of my time for John Hickenlooper to actually answer the question. He has Excellent. said in the past <laughs> that he would be open to court packing. So, uh, no, I don't support court packing. Uh, that's what Ruth B- Bader Ginsburg had said. Uh, it's a 150-year precedent with nine justices. Uh, John, you have the rest of the time to answer the question, yes or no, will you pack the court? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy to... Repeat the, the answer yes I gave. Yes or no, you got six I, seconds. I, no, I'm, I'm happy to repeat the answer that I gave. The bottom line is it's the institutions. You did not say yes, yes or no. Do you I agree? have no intention of uh, All right, gentlemen. We're, Time we is up. Going. Oh, dang. Darn. He, it, the answer is coming. I know it. But it is a good, well, it's not a good sign. It is a sign that it is notable that the establishment media members of the establishment media who despise Donald Trump have no time for this flim-flam, for this smack talk by Team Biden. And the fact that they're 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 not giving them a simple answer, but they're insulting them instead, Jonathan Carl is not pleased either. It's not just that he won't answer the question, it's the clumsy way in which he says he won't answer the question. Uh, he said uh, in an interview yesterday, asked directly, don't the people have a right to know? And he said, no, voters don't have a right to know where he stands on this. And he also said uh, a, a couple of days ago uh, that uh, he will give an answer on this after the election. So it's 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 very strange. This is a a major issue. Uh, this is not a, a trivial issue. And he's saying he won't tell voters where he stands until after they have voted. I, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's very helpful. Yeah, it is Fox News's Chris Wallace. I've been doing this a long time, and I don't understand that answer. He says you'll find out what my position is after the election, and if I were to tell you, it would be a headline in every paper. Why not just be straight with the American voters on this issue before the election? Right. Why not? Well, they're not going to, at least for now, while the polls remain this far apart. I got to thank Barbara on Twitter for sending me this excellent, speaking of Gucci boots, this excellent uh, audio of a, maybe I did play this the other night, I don't even remember, of Black Lives Matter in Newburyport, Massachusetts, uh, and Black Lives Matter um, protest, I'm not sure, uh, Exactly how much melanin was involved in this <laughs> new report. I've anything I've seen protests there have been a very white Black Lives Matter protest. I was, I was oh, shocked. whoa, geez, hold on, sorry. At first ever step foot on African land and begin their journey of exploitation that has changed the inequities we see today. After centuries of slavery that, that has dispersed enslaved our people, tearing us apart to build institutions. 
Oh, can you imagine? You're a 21-year-old part-time barista going to BU or uh, God knows where for $55,000 a year to come back as a... Probably more than that now, honestly. Right, as a completely indoctrinated idiot, which is so unoriginal. Oh, God. Congratulations. You sound like everybody else. Um, From Tom... In New Hampshire, just a heads up, here in southern New Hampshire, Trump support is very strong. I'm starting to feel better about our chances. Keep it going and be well. Tom from New Hampshire. I appreciate that, Tom. I definitely think something is up. I, I don't... I, who knows? Who knows what, what what the end result will be? But there is something... There is an energy out there, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... And I don't follow the polls 100%, but I'm interested that there's still no softening in Biden's poll numbers because, I mean, like like you were saying last episode, like you're starting to get a vibe that he's getting a little more pushback on some of this stuff, that he's getting a little more skepticism and that Trump is getting a little more enthusiasm since he emerged from the hospital and... You know, uh, it's interesting that it, that you're not at least yet seeing that reflected in the poll numbers. Not that I take 100% stock in the poll numbers anyway, but, you know, it, I would think that the, that sort of trend in sentiment is something that we should see in the polls within the next few days. I, because right now, like, there's places showing Biden up 17. Like, I mean... I don't know that Trump's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be a seven po- 17 point national lead by Biden. Uh, right. It doesn't feel like that to me. No, I don't think so either. Uh, that would be so odd either. to me. If I that's think the that there yeah, I think that the the Hispanic vote is going to come out for Trump. I think there are going to be more black voters for Trump. I think there are going to be I think there is a shy Trump factor and uh, that they've minted some new voters as well. I don't know if that puts them over, who knows, but um it, Peg from uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant, New York, originally, I believe. bed Maybe not, actually. Maybe from somewhere around, in or around Rockville Center. I don't know. Uh, Peg, you can let me know if, uh, if, I got that, if I got that wrong. But we'll give you no other information about her other than that. But she is a listener and a great human being. And uh, we love her. So um, she says, we're on the debate, the VP debate, with Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Uh, I read your comments starting, stating Pence won the VP debate. Here's what others say. There was no clear winner or loser. There was just another telefied airing of differences, often acrimoniously, over President Trump's leadership and record. Not that different from what Americans see on cable news every day. Republicans cheered Vice President Mike Pence. Democrats praised Senator Kamala Harris. So I think that is largely true at the end of the day. That That is true. That If you're a Democrat and you like Kamala Harris, then she showed... Um, she she showed that she could look tough and stand tough. She didn't seem to be to her credit. She was her nerves were cold steel. She didn't seem nervous one beat one bit. Um, but I would say that for Pence, the the win is for Pence because one, his depth of knowledge and his his ability and his execution on answering every question. Stealing time from Kamala Harris, stealing time from the moderator, he really filled every question thoroughly with the Trump talking points and with the facts as Trump would want you to 
to know them or in the, in, if, as far as I can I'm concerned the facts I think also him pressing her on packing the courts was good I thought that when she was she was back on her heels when she had to go to some of this pre-written stuff about Abraham Lincoln I thought that was I thought that was weak um and he was better at this than her he's good at at this you don't have to now he's also the smarmy and and he was rude to the he was rude to the um moderator he just so he just i mean uh, people are if you looked at any of the democrat debates they were all rude to all the moderators for a year they were vicious to the moderator they stepped all over them didn't respect anybody's time you know and even oh remember biden said well i guess i'm the only one who cares about time you know they were a total so there was a lot of this happening but uh kamala harris was uh wrong on a lot of facts which is fine as well the big thing is here and this is why it's the trump win because if people people who were of coming away from Trump who said I've had enough of the drama and I and especially with this just craziness in the White House do they know what they're doing the COVID stuff there's 200,000 dead what's going on here is everything I'm reading true there's something new coming out every week I think they looked at Pence and they said okay okay this guy's so together and has such a command of every subject we've gone to. Of course, he didn't answer a couple of questions. No doubt, he didn't. They don't have a healthcare plan, which is a problem. Um, which I is, would say so. Right. So, but I would think that somebody would that it, Trump voters felt comfortable enough to come home, and that's huge. They say, "Wow, this here's one guy who's super competent, not insane, very calm." He can't be the only one. That's got to be a good thing. This must be a certain presence in the White House that's indicative of a whole group of people in the White House that we never hear about. Okay, I can live with this. And so that's why I think at the at the end of the day that they won. I think there are some people in the middle who who see this and thought and think, okay, at least there's some there's some stability there. And I'll go. Um, I, I feel comfortable after watching this in returning to Trump. Well, right. And I think anytime you have Trump's policies without Trump, it's a win because people like Trump's policies, particularly economic mm-hmm. policies. Um, and, and you know, people's problem with Trump isn't his actual policies, even though that's the left's problem with Trump, obviously, as is their problem with every Republican. But Well, that's not their only problem with Trump. Their also problem with Trump is Trump. No, I know. But that's what I'm saying. Like the, But the far left, their problem with Trump is that he is effectively getting elected and doing Republican things like nominating Amy Coney Barrett and passing tax cuts. They don't like that. So and getting rid of Obamacare. So that's their problem with Trump. But the people in the middle, their problem with Trump is just that Trump acts the way he does, you know. And so if you put the Trump tax cuts into a debate without Trump there, that plays well, you know, especially if Kamala is saying they're going to get rid of them. Right, I agree. All right, we had a punch list of other stuff to talk about, but we're running out of time here, Alice. You remember any of the things on that short docket? We are Alice is multitasking in ways that I shan't uh, <clears throat> even describe uh, right oh, now. Well, um, there was this that I forgot to. Uh... We were going to do the Brett Stevens thing. There's no time for that, unfortunately. Brett Stevens wrote a great piece for the. No, I know, but I wanted to tell everybody about this great new hotel that they can stay in. DC, oh, if they're traveling to DC to see the White House, actually, president, I believe that the, our letter writer Peg, I think goes every no DC. You said I think okay, DC. <laughs> I think she goes every yeah. year with some friends, well, childhood friends, back to New York. But Peg, maybe you could go to DC 
instead this year with childhood well, friends. Well, this sounds like a fun experience for All right, everybody. Alice, what do you got? So, <clears throat> um, revamped DC hotel opens with a female empowerment theme. Oh, very nice. So yeah, and Good. I assume this isn't just a weird money grab by a corporation, but is that's cynical, Alice? Know, <clears throat> but we've got a daughter, by the way. Mike, I've got cousins who are daughters. We celebrate women in this family. Go ahead. Um, and actually, this article is from DC Eater, and the the article is written under the premise they have a problem with the fact that the hotel has this women empowerment theme, but the head chef is a man. So that's right. the problem is that the head chef is a man. But uh, West Hollywood, California-based Viceroy Hotels and Resorts celebrated opening day for Hotel Xena, 1155 14th Street Northwest on Thomas Circle on Thursday, October 8. A news release for the property calls it a groundbreaking hotel dedicated to female empowerment. Yeah, here. The hotel did hire a women-owned design company, created opportunities to pay female artists for their work. Andrea Sheehan, the founder of Seattle and London-based Dawson Design Associates, commissioned a massive pointillist portrait of late oh. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's, oh, right! That's made out of 20,000 hand-painted tampons. What the, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> no, no, don't ever say that again. Don't. Else we... I mean, I... Honestly, Alice, Alice, I would Alice. find it really. Believe you didn't let me know before I brought somebody. Here. Trigger warning. <laughs> okay, skip past that part, and we must never repeat that that ever happened again. Um, so that's very empowering to women, I think. Um, I would be feel, Alice. Alice, I would be really offended if I were RBG's family. Is the words that I'm trying to get out as Tom tries to speak over me. I would Ooh. be very offended Uh-oh. if I were, were RBG's family. Uh, that art was made of my Alice. drum with tampons. Alice. Tampons. Alice, don't say those words. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> oh, Jesus. How can you brought me to this place? <laughs> My mind is clearing in all the stuff. Gutter wife. That's who I married because of what she said. <laughs> but I'm deleting everything. Cause my mind is clear of the things that you've stuffed up into my soul. Oh, Jesus. I should have thought about this before I went into this. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, all of the 60 art pieces on site were painted, photographed, sculpted, Sorry, sculpted child or just stitched them. <laughs> by feminists of both genders around the globe fighting both for genders? human What's rights. Both genders? What's this crap? I know, that's very regressive. Uh, local curator Jason Bowers hired DC artist Sita Sedeli to paint a pair of warrior women who tower five floors tall on the building's exterior. Um, there is a curving wall appointed with 8,000 protest buttons representing feminist events. <laughs> In a quote attached to the release... Jeez, the if, I, if I, like... <laughs> stayed there and had a problem in my room, I would be afraid to complain at the front desk. <laughs> in a quote attached to the release, the CEO of publicly traded Pebblebrook Hotel Trust said the hotel is a safe gathering space that celebrates diversity, mm, Jesus. respects Excellent. different points of view. I would challenge them on that. And opens the floor to topics worthy of meaningful conversation. We know we're pushing boundaries and might even make some people uncomfortable, and we're okay with that, clearly. Uh, so it's unclear, however, says DC Eater, scathingly if anyone had a meaningful conversation about putting a woman in charge of the kitchen fig leaf the new american bar and restaurant Ooh. that doubles as a gallery for all that empowering art 
Oh, lists I don't like David that. Sears as executive chef. Given its professed commitment to gender equity, Hotel Zena missed an opportunity to place a woman in a public-facing leadership position, says T.C. Eater. I find that... Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor statistics show that women represent just 20% of chefs or head chefs and 38% of cooks. So, My goodness. Well, I just think so that you we know. should stay um, there and uh, we should boycott Bill Burr for his Gucci line of all that stuff. I found it offensive. No time for that. Peg, I apologize that you were included in uh, the story. It was unforeseen. Please send more letters, by the way. Emails and stuff to winchester at gmail.com. W-I-N-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. <coughs> um, I'm at T. Shattuck. Uh, no, no, no. I'm Tom Shattuck on Twitter. And Alice is Alice Shattuck on Twitter. Thanks so much, everybody. Here we go into another week. Oh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Say la This is our hidden track. Go ahead, Alice. Um, okay, so if you want a little more info from DC Eater here, Fig Leaf oh, good. promises to stuff serve... made out of Q-tips. Uh, <laughs> Fig Leaf promises to serve small plates that embrace a modern wellness movement. <laughs> Speaking my language. <laughs> Along with cocktails and mocktails, Sears's menu includes condiments and spices from a variety of cuisines. A fried chicken sandwich gets a kick from Ethiopian spice bear bear and chef's turmeric pickles. Kale Caesar gets punched up. <laughs> Kale Caesar. <laughs> Sorry. I like Kale Caesar. Kale Caesar gets punched up with a Peruvian ahi amarillo anchovy vinaigrette. There's also a double cheeseburger, a Spanish leaning ribeye pinto plate with salsa verde and sizzling shrimp with Aleppo pepper. Cocktails, $16. What is Aleppo? <laughs> what is Aleppo pepper? I don't know. Cocktails. One second, Cyril. I need my phone for one more minute. Um, uh oh. Cocktails are sixteen dollars and come with names like Empowerment and Earhart, oh, excellent. which comes with Green Hat Gin, Maraschino Liqueur, Creme de Violette, Lemon, LGBTQ owned Republic Restoratives, Civic Vodka. Also makes its way into several drinks. Oh, good. What was that Joe Biden song I had? What was that called? Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Counting on him or something? Counting on, counting. Counting on Joe. Counting on Joe. You know, we will go out with that. Counting. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not that. Counting on Joe. Counting on Joe. All right. You sure it was counting on Joe? I think it was. All right, hold on one second. You stay right there. This is a, this is the the um, bonus track, so you've got nothing better to do right now. Maybe we'll fix up some empowerments to sip later together. Ooh, very nice. All right. I thought we'd go out on a high note with the counting on Joe, but I can't find counting on Joe. All right. That's okay. That's okay. How about we use uh, my buddy uh, Bill Withers? When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. Uh, let's talk white women here, shall we? <laughs> let's talk white women. White women, you're amazing. Amazing your accomplishments over the last few years. I got to tell you, the way white women somehow hijack the woke movement, 
generals around the world should be analyzing this. Just to refresh your memory, the woke movement was supposed to be about people of color, not getting opportunities, the at-bats that they deserved, finally making that happen. And it was about that for about eight seconds. And then somehow, white women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. I don't know how they did it. I've never heard so much complaining in my life from white women. My leg is so hurt with my SUV and my heated seats. You have no idea what it's like to be me. Trash and white guys. The nerve, where's the camera? The nerve of you white women. Let me, I, listen, I don't want to speak ill on my here, okay? I don't. Well, let's, let's go back in history here, okay? You guys stood by us toxic white males through centuries of our crimes against humanity. You rolled around in the blood muddy, and occasionally when you wanted to sneak off and hook up with a black dude, if you got caught, you said it wasn't consensual. Yeah, that's what you did. That's what you did. So why don't you shut up, sit down next to me, and take your talking to. Me. <laughs>